Thank you for joining today. I'm Robin Lyons, ISACA's ITR Professional Practices Principal. Joining us today is Sandra Quiangwa. Sandra is from Deloitte UK, and she's here to talk to us about best practices and suggestions for uh, completing successful remote IT audits. Um, so thank you for joining us today, Sandra. Thank you, Robin, for having me. Fantastic. Um, so before we jump into our actual questions, I want to provide a little bit of context. Um, and, and Sandra has shared in her article that's entitled Key Considerations for Conducting uh, Remote IT Audits, that remote um, audits are not anything new for the profession, but there have been some slight changes due to the fact that um, we are performing more remote audits, um, primarily from the genesis of, of the global pandemic in 2019. So even those organizations who may not have been involved in performing remote audits, out of necessity, they, they did have to perform either a hybrid audit or remote audits where previously they may not have had to, to have done that. So Sandra, to get us started, can you talk about some of the pitfalls uh, that auditors may encounter um, with conducting remote IT audits? From my experience, uh, some of the, I'll say, pain points as well would be uh, just around connectivity, connectivity challenges, just like everyone else experiences. Uh, but more to the IT audit aspect, it would be getting access to key IT systems that you need to audit, especially in the remote context. So being able to access some systems can be difficult. For example, where you have third-party access, so just getting perhaps the third party to even be on a call can be challenging. Getting access to key systems and being able to get the evidence you need to conclude on your testing can also be a challenge. So I'd say those are the two key pitfalls that I've seen. But um, overall as well, uh, you can have challenges, even just sharing information, sharing evidence across different platforms can be another challenge. Different organizations have different IT policies, uh, which may hinder even installing certain software that can allow an audit to go efficiently. So I'll say those are the key pitfalls I have seen that would make uh, doing the audit very difficult. Thank you for that, Sandra. Um, so to continue um, that discussion just a little bit, um, and these sound like things that maybe during the audit planning phase that that auditors may be able to have an, an eye out for it and, and prevent some of these things or mitigate any challenges from the areas that you mentioned. Is audit planning in and of itself sufficient to, to address um, challenges that auditors may face in conducting remote audits? Well, I'll say audit planning is, is key. It's a key building uh, block when you're planning your audits. Definitely it will help you and anticipate the challenges you may face. So when you're having those discussions with uh, the various ODTs, when you're preparing, when you're asking them if they have the right skills in place, if they have the right resources to help with completing the audit successfully, you'll be able to pick up perhaps where like sticking points in advance. But now during the actual audit itself, uh, situations may change. Uh, a good example I can give is that Perhaps at the start of the audit, um, you were given a key contact person, but when you do the actual audit or ask the questions you're interested in, they may not be the best person to address those. So you then need to adapt and perhaps find a different resource to do that testing with. So it's not just the planning that's important, it's also being agile enough during the audit cycle itself to adapt to the different changes that come through. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, that recommendation with us, Sandra. I want to ask too, and this is something that I think a lot of people have questions about, and that's how to ensure 
um, the completeness and accuracy of an IT, uh, a remote IT audit. So you mentioned in your article that sometimes there are challenges um, based around evidence because uh, there's the potential that there's a higher risk of manipulation, which would um, would, which, which would adversely um, affect or adversely affect um, the the accuracy of the evidence that we have that we're basing conclusions on. Um, and also another example related to that there may be a challenge or auditors may not be able to continuously continuously monitor if they're running a script or a report that takes longer than than maybe what would have been anticipated. So do you have any suggestions around um, ensuring the completeness and the accuracy when when audits are performed remotely? What's always key is being able to um, corroborate any information that the client provides. So if it's being shared with you remotely, perhaps one simple thing that you you can do is to always cross-check whatever they provide. If it's a report, for example, um, even if it's provided um, way out of office hours, just being able to cross-check various aspects of that report against what's on the live or production system that you're placing reliance on or that you're trying to get reliance on. So that's one of the tips definitely to cross-check and corroborate any information that you have. But just doing simple um, checks like uh, checking if it's the right environment, if you can get any supporting screenshots that can, that can support that it's the right environment you're looking at. Getting the date and timestamp is very crucial, at least so that no one can dispute that um, the information you're using is not the correct information. That's also very key. Um, where possible, trying to observe the extraction, getting the first and last page of a report. Those are some of the key things that you can do. But I guess the beauty of being within the field itself is being creative enough to find ways to address those completeness and accuracy issues. I'd, I'd recommend those two. And just again, um, coming up with, with ways to be able to just ascertain that the, the reports are complete or the evidence you're getting is, is complete. That's fantastic. I love that because that's not an attribute that people frequently associate with auditors being creative. But I, I believe you're absolutely right that when we're in a situation that we may not have planned for, even though we've done our absolute best to have a, the best audit plan possible, we do have to be creative based on the circumstances that we do encounter once we're actually out there in the field. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that recommendation. Um, I wanted to ask you too, Sandra, uh, we know from just doing traditional audits on site that communication is a very critical part of our relationships with the auditee, as well as just the performing of the audit. So can you share a little bit about um, any nuances or anything that's different from the communication spec perspective when we are uh, conducting an audit remotely? I think the key one that probably most people can relate with is uh, those periods of, uh, I'll say ghosting using uh, current uh, language. <laughs> so you have your clients ghosting or in other cases, you are the one doing the ghosting. So those those periods of silence can be detrimental to the actual progress of the audit. Um, it's almost like you need to restart the whole process again if you're having a phased audit, for example. So if you have that period of silence, it's like you have to restart uh, the audit process and um, it can be very um, inefficient, especially when you're working with closed deadlines. So I guess the ways you can uh, combat that is just making sure that on an ongoing basis you are being proactive 
in terms of your communication, uh, just to keep in touch with your ODT or your clients, just making them know where you are with the progress of the audit. Um, I guess in, in this case, uh, over-communicating is actually a positive. It can help just keep that flow going throughout the audit itself. Uh, but I would, I would also mention that um, just having those key communication um, uh, key communication protocols or procedures from the onset, agreeing on what needs to happen when you have those sticking points, who to escalate to, and actually following up on that would be very helpful as well. And uh, lastly, if possible, without implicating on the independence issues, if you're actually able to have some time to meet with the client, not just to discuss about the audit itself, but just to connect and network, it would be very helpful to the audit itself. Very good. Yes, um, that, that's very important. And thank you for, for reminding our, our listeners of that, Sandra. Just that whole building and maintaining relationships is very important, um, just in our profession in general, but for audits and spe specifically. So thank you for, for highlighting that. So far, I think we've talked a little bit about challenges with conducting remote audits. So I think that's the, the glass half empty part. So let's talk a little bit about the glass being half full. So Sandra, can you share with us um, some of the benefits of conducting audits remotely? Okay, so I'll start with some of uh, my key personal benefits, I guess, um, just being able to work on global teams uh, so my background is obviously within the big four, but um, I think for most people, they can relate with uh, the ability to work with multi-talented skill sets, multi-talented teams from ac across the globe. That's been one of the key benefits. Um, from a business perspective, you no longer have to make sure that your team is, I mean, equipped with all the skills in the world, which may be impossible, but you can actually draw from different departments, different uh, countries, where you have that skill set and bring the best um, of your people to a client or an auditee. So I'd say that's one of the key um, benefits of remote auditing. Um, also, just looking at the amount of scope or work coverage that you can do when you're doing a remote audit, you have more to look at. Um, there's that aspect where time, there's the reduction in time, just traveling back and forth between client premises or to the office, if you remove that component, you now have more time to do actual work, maybe address different business um, areas. If you're doing just an audit that's restricted to ITGCs, where permissible, you can actually explore a, bit, a little bit more into other areas of, of that IT audit as well. So I'd say those are some of the, the key benefits, just cost reduction, saving on time, being able to be part of global teams and gaining um, those networks as well. Fantastic, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, in your article, Sonia, you've given us a lot of great tips on how to conduct audits remotely. But one of the things I found particularly fascinating was your recommendation to continually assess risk during the conducting of a remote audit. Can you share with us a little bit about, a little bit more about um, your perspectives on continually assessing risk and then also, um, can you talk about if there are possible examples that you could share so that the, that the listeners can put that into context? Well, uh, as, as we may all know, the risk universe is con continuously changing. There are many factors you're always, you, that you always need to put um, into considerations when you're doing your audit. So whether it be external factors, there's things like the economy, 
it can have an impact on the audit itself. Um, you can look at internal factors, just resourcing and people and skill sets. Uh, all those things continue to have an impact on the audit. Um, the key thing is just ensuring that whatever changes are happening, because especially within IT, change is definitely a constant. And I would even say the speed at which changes are happening now is very rapid. Um, so perhaps to give an example, if you were looking at an audit uh, of a specific uh, client or an area and you have a cyber breach of sorts, uh, it may then need to, you may then need to consider within the actual work you're doing the impact of that cyber breach if you, and the impact to, to your clients, to, to the auditees, there can be so many factors. Um, even just from a client perspective, they may pull away their resources to just address that uh, cyber breach. So there's no more support to the ongoing audit that you're doing. Um, so those are the things that you constantly need to think of if there is a change the risk assessment at least will help you to anticipate that those kind of changes and also help you to come up with mitigating factors in advance um, of those things happening, if they happen at all, and then be able to recover um, in the case that they do materialize. So risk assessment is, is definitely very important ongoing throughout the audit cycle. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. So Sandra, can you talk a little bit about resource or audit team staffing considerations when we're conducting audits remotely or virtually? It's, it's a benefit that we're able to draw resources from everywhere, but um, there are the, the human aspects uh, to working virtually. So again, just not being able to connect, sometimes you're doing the work, but you cannot connect with the team um, on a, on a perhaps a, a deeper level such that you can see just not well, beyond the work itself that you're doing, there are people doing it. There are people who are going through life. So I would say one of the key things is whenever you get different resources you're working with, it's it's definitely important to establish what kind of uh, background they're coming from, uh, what kind of um, issues they may be dealing with that can affect the audit itself. Um, example of those issues could even be their home setting sometimes. Uh, do they need special allowances to do with uh, maybe time to go pick up the kids during certain parts of the day that could affect the ODT as well. Your ODT can also have similar situations. So it's important to understand the, the different needs of the team. Um, it can even be areas around coaching. When you're doing a virtual audit, it can be very difficult to pick up the different areas of coaching that different team members need or training as well. So those are some of the things, again, uh, maybe they will be more applicable to more uh, senior manager roles uh, thereabouts. They would need to be able to pick up on any of those um, challenges that their teams may be facing. But again, just ensuring that there is inclusion. If you're working with a global team, it wouldn't be very helpful to set up meetings when the, the key contacts cannot be present. Um, similarly, if you're working uh, with a globally diverse organization, it would be important that you know that there are people in different time zones. Um, so you need to be able to manage that as well so that you get the best out of the audit that you're performing. Great, great. Thank you for that. It's nice to, to be able to take some of those concepts and put them into a, a practical sort of application. So thank you for sharing examples with our listeners. Um, I think this is such a timely topic. Um, always a relevant one, but particularly time, timely now since more people are conducting 
either hybrid or fully remote um, IT audits. So thank you, Sandra, first of all, for the article, and then also for sharing some time today with us to, to cover some of the article for those who may not have had a chance to listen to, to read the article just yet. Um, as much as I hate to draw this to the close, uh, we, we do actually uh, have to close uh, due to timing. Uh, but again, wanna thank you, uh, our guest, Sandra Kuyangwa from Deloitte UK. She's written an article for Isaka entitled, Key Considerations for Conducting IT Audits. So please, uh, listeners, take a chance to read that if you do have an opportunity. This is Robin Lyons, IT Audit Professional Practices uh, Principal at ISACA, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.